Hey, you're listening to Data Plus Love. This week, we have a very special episode. It is Iron Viz season. If you don't know what Iron Viz is, you will by the end of this. But rather than uh, do a traditional conversation, as I do with most guests, I'm bringing back a previous guest from last season who is a close friend of mine. Uh, today, we'll be talking with Sarah Bartlett. Sarah Bartlett is a Tableau Zen master, a Tableau ambassador, founder of Iron Quest. And if you don't know what Iron Quest is, we will also resolve that by the end of this. Sarah, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for inviting me back on here. I'm super excited to talk to you again. Well, I'm super excited too. So um, it's it's Iron Biz season, like literally uh, this week. So right now, the day we're recording this is June 28th. By the end of this week, all submissions need to be in, I believe. So uh, I know Iron Viz is something close to your heart as you also started Iron Quest, which is, uh, it's like the leg day for Iron Viz. So uh, for those that are listening and somehow don't know this, which is probably just my mom at this point, uh, what is Iron Viz? So Iron Viz is like the ultimate data viz competition uh, where it starts off with a feed around where people go away and visualize a topic. Um, and then the tops, in this case, the top three scoring visits from that round then proceed to the final where three people go head to head on stage and have to build a visualization in 20 minutes. If it was in person in front of a live audience of up to, I don't know, four or 5,000 people, um, if not countless people uh, will tune in virtually like they did last year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like Iron Chef, but for data viz. And at this point, the prize has gotten really big. So as of last yes. year and continuing into this year, first place is like 10 grand. So it's there's a lot of money on the line. Last year, I think we had, God, was it 270 something entries? No, it's 372. Wow. Something like that. That's big. Yeah. So, I mean, that's getting big specifically. We're, we're talking about niche, niche, niche communities. So we're talking about first, you have to be in the data community and then sort of the data practitioner analyst community where you're actually producing things and then even deeper to Tableau. But within that, there were enough entries that there were 370 something entries for last year's Iron Viz competition, which um, had two of my colleagues from JLL in it, uh, who both unfortunately did not win. Uh, last <laughs> But, I mean, uh, give them some credit. They they nearly won. They did nearly win, right. and they're doing way better than me, who has never made it to the show. But that's okay, um, because I, I'm content to be an enthusiastic fan. Um, Iron Viz is is really interesting because you've got this feeder phase that we're in right now, which is where everyone's uh, trying to get their topics in. And last year's uh, theme was health and wellness, so that's sort of a broad topic, and there's lots of options there about what you could choose to pursue. This year is even broader and it's basically things that bring you joy, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's very similar, funny enough, to the project we did for Iron Quest uh, back in January of this year, which was passion projects. Um, and I essentially said, Biz, what brings you joy? In fact, in my blog post, I linked to a blog of yours, Zach, where you you um, blogged about uh, visiting what brings you joy and why that's important. So I was excited to see them pick this topic. As you say, super broad. Um, you could literally visit anything if it, if it brings you joy. Um, so I think we're going to see a really broad range of entries this year. Yeah, pretty much the only thing you can't visit is something that aggravates you unless you enjoy being aggravated. Then, you know, there's sort of sadomasochistic uh, twist on the theme. But yeah, it's um, th this year's particularly great because the theme being so wide open and we've already had um, Will Sutton created an Iron Viz tracker. So if, if you're super interested, you can go out there and find it. And you can go out there and find some of the, the entries that have flowed in through this. And there's just a huge variety of topics from 
you know, TV shows to sports to to liquor, you know, like every everyone has their their own unique interests. And uh, as someone who entered last year, I can tell you, I put about 35 hours into my iron biz entry last year, which is the most work I put into anything that wasn't work. So it's if you're going to take the time to invest in your entry and you really want to sort of make a good show of it, you're going to have to put in a lot of work. So it's great that the topic is literally find something that interests you because you're going to have, as I've always said, a lot better time putting together something that you're already interested in than trying to force yourself to be interested in something that's not necessarily your forte. Absolutely. Um, I spent last month, or no, last time I entered Ironviz, I think I spent the whole month pretty much researching my topic, which was hip hop. Um, and then the actual viz building I did overnight. So I literally stayed up a whole night just to get my viz in on time. Cause I think the deadline for, um, I viz is usually Seattle time. So that gave me a whole extra, like seven hours to finish my viz, um, which was insane. But yeah, I literally spent that whole month doing research and didn't ever really get to the viz build, uh, stage, but thankfully it was something I was passionate about. So I enjoyed the process. Otherwise I would have given up way before the end of the month. So let me ask you this. Um, and this may be a leading question, but feel free to answer however feels best to you or demand that I cut it out later. It's fine. Um, but uh, in, in your opinion, is there an iron viz type visualization? Meaning, is there a type of viz that you typically see as an entry? Or is it more of a wide open thing where there's just a, a plethora of different technique? Yes. So I think there is. Um, so let's talk about the scoring criteria before I continue. Um, IMVIS is scored on three criteria. That's design, storytelling and analysis. And I think with IMVIS, people feel the need to just cram in as much as they possibly can to kind of tick all those boxes, whether that be lots of different charts or text to support storytelling. Um, and as a result of that, we often see lots of long form visits. So there are visits like stretched down the page, which kind of work quite well if you want to do that storytelling where one section leads to another um so we see a lot of that doesn't often you wouldn't see long form visits at work like it's just not something you would really do um so i i would say in that sense iron viz does have a particular style doesn't mean to say it's the right style doesn't mean to say that that's what you should do it's always quite refreshing when someone kind of bucks the trend and, and does maybe a single screen viz with interactivity um but i think more often than not you do see those long form visits for those reasons i think it's a unique challenge and when i think of iron viz i often think of when you receive like an essay assignment in school like or, or, or on a test, you know, on a test, when they give you a true false answer, you know, you've got a 50% shot, but when they give you the option to write like an essay, you realize, well, if I say enough, I can probably talk myself into a partially correct answer. And I think in some ways, the long form iron viz entry can be very similar to that in the fact that you've got those three different categories you're being scored on. And you could go all in on a couple different charts and maybe some, some editorial to say, okay, I'm going to demonstrate to you the potency of my ability by putting going all in on these few things. But more often than not, the long form lends itself to, I'm going to show you every single little trick I can do in hopes that um, the just the aggregate of this is enough to sort of wow you and push you push you towards like the positive end of the scoring spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say absolutely you do not need to include every single chart you're capable of building. Um, it's much more important that you, you're getting those insights. So rather than just presenting the data as it is, try and find something interesting and, and then bring that to the surface and explain what you found. I think that's much more um, powerful in Ironviz. 
Absolutely. So you are a bit of an Iron Viz fan in the fact that you created Iron Quest back in January of 2019. So that means it's been going on, gosh, more than two full years now, which the time has flown by. Um, I have described in the past and, you know, feel free to correct me as like Iron Quest is like the leg day of Iron Viz. Iron Viz comes once a year. So if you're not prepared for it, it's going to take you by surprise. You're going to have a month to create a, a data masterpiece. But Iron Quest is an opportunity every single month, a, a you know on a on a specific theme or a specific challenge like black and white using black and uh, black and white uh, charts or uh, mobile first and that sort of thing to create a, a an Iron Viz type chart um, based around a couple of limitations. And I've always found like limitations to be shockingly liberating in a way. So like when someone says like, in, in a way, this, this, what brings you joy theme, I can imagine could be really daunting to a lot of entrants because it's so wide open. You might have a thousand things that bring you joy. How do you narrow the scope? But if it was just like, you know, your favorite food, like that would be a topic. Everyone knows their favorite food and can just jump right in on that. Um, tell us more about Iron Quest, how it came about and sort of, and how, how you do this. Yeah, sure. So um, back in 2018, I had the luxury or pleasure of making it to the final of IronViz Europe. And um, that took me by surprise. Um, I kind of entered IronViz for fun. Um, it was just a little, I saw it as a challenge. I didn't ever expect to, any, anything to come of it. Um, and yeah, so it was the same um, format as this year where they picked the three top scoring entries. Um, and I came third, which got me a place on the stage. And I didn't win. Klaus won, um, which is absolutely fine. It wasn't really wasn't about winning for me. I had an amazing experience. Um, really, like, it was just so good um hard to put into words really um but then following that that was like early in the summer um the iron Viz season kicked off globally so that that year they had three separate feeders with one winner from each feeder going through to the final and i saw a lot of people talking at the time around um you know i'm not good enough to enter iron Viz. i wouldn't want to be on stage so i'm not going to enter just in case i win which is something you might hear quite often um, and just really people saying they lacked confidence and they didn't really have an opportunity to practice those skills that the, you kind of need for the competition. So the re remainder of 2018, I was thinking, you know, what can we do um, to kind of help people? I don't want to wait until next year and people will be saying the same thing over and over again. So I decided to create this challenge where it mimics the feeder competitions, which would give people an opportunity to practice those skills that they need. Um, because unlike the other projects that are out there, things like Makeup a Monday and Workout Wednesday, which are fantastic, they all provide clean data sets, which you can just pick up and visualize quite simply. Whereas if I visit it's on you to go and find that data, clean it to bring data sets together to do whatever and then build a whole visualization out of it um so i thought yeah and it's to spend more time with it as well whereas you know make up a monday and work at wednesday they're weekly challenges and they're not designed to spend hours on so i thought that's why i created iron quest um i tried to keep the topics quite broad so people can find something they enjoy in each one um but it will limit them in in some way um so you you're not like this like this with this topic with like joy literally the world is your oyster at least we have a, a theme which narrows it down slightly so you can pick something within that theme but essentially yeah you're getting a chance to flex those those muscles and also um there's a feedback element we've built in as well so every month uh, we provide feedback on entries where people have requested it so they can then take that and, and improve their work i think the feedback element is so important in so many ways like 
I, I think of just work product alone. Like if, if you're not like an active sort of participant in creating public data projects and like, let's just say you only create DataViz for work, which is admittedly the vast majority of people that do it, right? But imagine you're a solo practitioner and you don't have a lot of exposure to both other professionals that are proficient in what you're doing, but, or even just seeing their work products, like you haven't discovered all the public, you know, public exercises or just even going out online and look to see what like good dashboards look like. And you're just doing this in a vacuum without sort of having, you know, even just a colleague to bump up against and say, hey, look what I created. And for them to say, oh, that's a good idea. Have you thought about this? You know, just that, alone can be so transformational for people's growth. So having the opportunity to go and sort of take part in these large scale exercises and also being vulnerable by putting your work out there. There's something um, very liberating about making something and then just showing it to other people. Because if you just create projects and you sort of keep them to yourself, uh, you know, I'm not going to say you don't know if they're good or not, but it's, it's through the feedback and interaction with others, you sort of hone those skills and and sort of maybe take off some of the rough edges. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why things like Makeup and Monday are so great as well, because they also include that, that feedback element, um, which helped me personally so much when I was starting out. So in this Iron Viz season, you also started a new initiative, which I've had the good fortune to be a part of, where we're sort of uh, a group of people that have been offering uh, online feedback sessions to, to people that are entering. Did uh, How did that idea come about for you? Yeah, so um, it's something that I saw people doing last year and um, people that weren't entering IMVIS, they weren't judging IMVIS. They were kind of putting themselves out there and saying, you know, if you want to, some feedback, reach out to me and we can arrange a session. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if we could have a more consolidated effort this year? Um, I've not had the ability to, to do this for the last two years because I've been a judge. So I've kind of sat on the sidelines of not been able to offer any advice or offer um you know, congratulate people on their great entries because I've had to remain impartial. So this year, I'm not judging. So I thought, you know, what could I do? So I thought if we could come together collectively, the impact would be a lot greater than if it was just me on my own, you know, maybe doing a few sessions where I can fit them in. So I called upon people that had previously co-hosted Iron Quest with me to see if they'd be interested um, in taking part. So that obviously that includes you, Zach. Um, and I think together we've done about 30 feedback sessions over the last couple of weeks. Well, in, in fact, the last week and a half. So, um, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, and we've seen, I mean, every single biz we've seen is completely different, completely different topic, but it's been really lovely to be able to actually give people uh, feedback on their business and whether that be a completed viz or a viz that, you know, it's just an idea and they're kind of bringing it together and really trying to help shape that, um, just talking it through and shaping it for people. Uh, I think it's been really helpful. Yeah, I've, I think I've been in about four sessions. So about two lunch breaks worth, you know, where I did, I did a couple at a time. And it's been really exciting because I, I saw maybe one familiar face out of all the sessions and the rest of them were people that I didn't know. And also people of various skill levels. So people were, are entering uh, the competition at all sorts of various levels, which I think is really good because even if ultimately, if you're, if you're a lot newer to the game and realistically on paper, your chances might not be as good as someone that's been doing this like five, 10 years. Um, the fact that you're putting yourself out there and entering and also sort of learning from this experience, it's just like some of the other public exercises where you're, you're going to ultimately grow from it. Uh, just anytime you're getting feedback from something also helps really um, refine your skills in the sense that uh, feedback is so vital to growth because you're never going to create like a work product where you just turn it in and they say, I love it, no changes. 
you know, you're always going to get something. And in particular, if you're so like precious about it and it's, and it's your baby, you know, when, when people give you feedback, sometimes that can hurt, right? Like you can really, Mm -hmm. especially if, you know, there's a part where you particularly felt invested in it, or like, this is the part you're most proud of. And, and uh, your client or your boss or whoever says, this really doesn't work for me. Like that can really sting. And by absolutely working through some of that, especially like out in front of other people, it makes work easier. Yeah, it really does. I remember when I entered Invis uh, for the Europe one, um, I actually got feedback from Klaus. Like, so we exchanged feedback to each other. And I remember he told me um, I needed to make my viz longer. And this was back, I mean, it's still the case now, but when you, you to make your viz longer, once you've built it, it just messes everything up. Um, but I did it. I went through the pain. I had to expand or resize every single section. And it did look a lot better as a result. So I think sometimes there's feedback like that where you know, to make that change, you, you've got to invest a lot of time. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the results are there. But I just want to go back to something you said around how long you've been using Tableau for and how maybe this isn't designed for beginners. If we look back at some of the winners or some of the finalists from the last couple of years, um, they haven't all been using Tableau for that long. So if we look at Hesham, I think he'd been using Tableau for about six months when he entered the feeder. Um, Klaus had been using Tableau for less than a year when he won the competition. Um, so it's not like length of time using Tableau is certainly not an indicator of success. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's two winners right there uh, globally. Um, that's it, it really is exciting to see sort of some of the unexpected new faces that you know, it, especially if you're as immersed in this as so many people are who are really have their finger on the pulse of the public work that's coming out, you, you will see so many new entries from people you're not familiar with. And it's great to expand your um, your breadth of knowledge by seeing new people's work, in addition to sort of enhancing your social network, saying, oh, look, here's exciting new voices that I wasn't familiar with that I can now sort of integrate into, into my, my life and uh, learn from as well. Yeah, I love it when they um, show the gallery like posts when all the, with all the entries in it because you see all these new authors, tons of new people to follow. Um, it's like Christmas, right? You just got all that, this everything bundled up into one. Okay, so I thought we could have a little bit of fun and do some words of advice for people entering. So I was thinking, let's do some do's and let's do some don'ts. So let's start with some do's. Do you have any, if you're entering Iron Viz, do this. I do. One specifically for the for the topic. So obviously the topic this year is data plus joy, viz what brings you joy. What I really want to see people do this year, and I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, and I don't know if it, how the judges are going to take this, but personally, I think if you're visiting something that brings you joy, you need to say why it brings you joy. So if I give you an example, if you were going to do a viz on plants, maybe you're a massive plant lover, don't just do a viz on plants and not explain why it brings you joy. Explain what it is about plants that makes you so happy. Um, whether that be a sentence, whether that be you calling out things throughout the biz, maybe your favorite plants or whatever, but just make it personal um, and, and, and just explain why you picked that topic um, somehow. I'm going to yes and that. So I'm going to say, yes, put yourself in the viz. And I'm going to go one step further. And if possible, put the audience in the viz because People respond, particularly in this case, you know, this is about you, right? It's it's about the topic, but really it's about you. What's your relationship to this topic? So the fact that you're putting yourself in there in some capacity is important. But if you can go a step beyond that, and for your, your viewing audience and, or possibly interacting audience, depending on how you've constructed this, 
If you can find a way to integrate them into the visualization as well, either by providing some interactivity where they have some choices or some preferences or something that speaks to them directly, like that is, is even better. Anytime you can sort of draw people in by making them a part of the story, you're going to get higher levels of engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Another do would be include a title. Um, include a title on your viz, include titles on your charts. Don't expect um, people just to understand what you're talking about straight away. Um, some, some of the visits I've seen this time, uh, they're not, some of the topics aren't self-explanatory, like it might be quite a niche topic, which needs an introduction. So explain what you're talking about and any, any charts that you're showing, just give them a title or explain what's going on in that chart. Don't just present the chart and expect people to understand it because you might understand it really well. You've worked with it for a couple of weeks, but it's new to them. So just bear that in mind. Absolutely. If you think about public data work compared to maybe stuff you do at work, at work, you're dealing with data in motion where the data is constantly changing, right? You're getting new information. You have to make really flex flexible products that are able to accommodate that. So the opportunity for what I like to call editorial is limited, unless you're really skilled at uh, creating all sorts of calculations and wildcard functions and stuff to actually generate text that's descriptive. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunity to just write something that's going to be permanent. In this case, you're taking a data source that you know will not change later. So you have a lot of opportunity to introduce the audience to this and to describe it or also describe your relationship to it in text in addition to the charts you're making. So don't sleep on the fact that you have this extra feature that might normally be off the table in a lot of the work that you're doing. Yeah, have you got any do's? But I've got plenty more about or don'ts. <laughs> I mean, I, I, wow, I've got don'ts. Uh, in terms of do's, like, don't think of this as something you're doing for work. You mentioned titles before. Draw inspiration from stuff outside of data viz in terms of how you present it. I often suggest people to go look at book covers. Like, you'll often see like Sue Grafton or Michael Crichton books, and you'll see that they'll use two different fonts, like for the author name and for the title name. One might be bold, one might be serifed and that sort of thing. And be conscious of how you use fonts throughout your viz. Like resist the temptation to just pick one and stick with it the entire time. Maybe you want headers that are a different font or a different color. Maybe when you're writing paragraphs of sort of your editorial, as I call it, you would like to accent certain things in there as if you were speaking, you know, to sort of bold things rather than just bolding it. Maybe have an accent color that you use that brings those out that also ties back into your charts, you know, and also maybe avoid the temptation to always have color legends as strict legends. Maybe sometimes you can integrate that into your titles and or your editorial where that color is being explained elsewhere and doesn't need like a standalone box to describe it. So sort of think outside the box in terms of some of the stuff where you might normally be uh, limited, your options are a lot more open. Yeah. And with the text, I'd say be consistent. So if you're going to pick a size for your headers and pick a size for your subheaders and pick certain colors, just stick with that throughout. Don't just chop and change. Um, it's confusing for the reader. Um, and if you've got big chunks of text, try and break it up so it's much easier to consume. Preach. So let's yeah. go on to the don'ts, which might be just as fun. Well, yours was technically a don't. You started by saying don't, but <laughs> <laughs> another don't. <laughs> um, I'd say don't be afraid to use interactivity. I mean, that could bring an extra level of uh, analytics to your viz, but also remember um, to describe what you're doing. Don't assume that people know how to interact or that the interactivity is there. You might have a ton of stuff that's hidden away in tooltips, but if people don't know to hover or how to interact, 
may be missed um, and it won't not it probably won't have the effect that you were hoping for I, I remember when I was judging last year I saw a lot of visits where there was interactivity that I just didn't know existed or they had like kind of navigation buttons and you'd click through but then you'd kind of get stuck and you'd have no way of getting back to where you started. So just make your any interactivity, in, in, interactivity you have very clear um, and easy to use. I would say don't add features unless you can guarantee that they work. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's often tempting to sort of get, get outside your comfort zone and maybe showcase something that you're not entirely comfortable with doing. But if you're doing so, make sure it actually works. Because if you've got something and it's buggy or glitchy and maybe works a third of the time, that means a third of the people that are using it are going to have a bad experience. So you need to be aware of that when you're designing it and maybe sacrifice some of those things that you felt like were cool features for more of like the staid and steady things that you know work. Like make your choices about what's actually going to be the center of this thing. Is that piece of interactivity or is it the chart that you're, you're trying to draw the attention towards? So, so be aware of that and uh, sort of avoid making glamorous things that aren't functional. Absolutely. I'd say um, don't be afraid of calling out things that you see in your analysis. So maybe, maybe using annotations. Um, that could be where you bring some of your personality through Zach. So like maybe if you're doing a viz on your favorite movies, you can use annotations to say why they're your favorite. Maybe it's got your favorite actor in or something, but use annotations. Don't be afraid to add those in because they add a, an extra level of storytelling, um, which could really help with, with the scores. Um, but yeah, just add those in wherever you see fit. Don't just present things um, just like don't just present charts without any additional kind of commentary and don't tell every story so there's the temptation uh to make a tool right so you're thinking like in terms of a business dashboard it's like oh my business users are going to be able to you know try so many different filters here and click through to this and there's going to be endless stories that can find um if you if you've created endless stories most of these stories are never be told and most people will never even know their stories that they were supposed to find uh, be the analyst and find the story, like find a story, pick a, a story that you like out of this and, and build this around that idea. It doesn't have to be just limited to, to one specific thing, but you have to at least choose an angle and sort of point your audience in the correct direction. Because if you sort of just put it in their hands and say, here, I do anything you want, um, they are now at uh, your mercy and uh, they, they might not get anywhere. So make sure if you're actually trying to make something that that uh, is supposed to uh, start at the top and by the time they get to the bottom, have some conclusion or revelation or at least have said something, make sure that your your dashboard or your your, your visualization actually does that. Yeah, I'd say one visit broke that rule. It was Simon Beaumont's last year. Do you remember um, his entry was around, I think, the world happiness index yes where he did the analysis and then so it was very explanatory and at the end he had an exploratory section where you could go away and kind of apply your own filters and find your own stories that kind of broke that rule and it was very effective but it was it was done very very well um and i think he put a lot of effort into that initial kind of explanatory phase that he got away of doing both exactly like uh, for any rule there is probably a use case where you can break that rule Make sure you know when that use case is and and apply it directly. I would also say, and this is one where I'll probably be wrong, make sure it doesn't scroll both vertically and horizontally. <laughs> um, th there's a lot of long, 
if you've looked at all about the entries this year or previous years, uh, as we mentioned before, so many of the entries are scrolly telling where they are very long form vertically. So like imagine a website, you're scrolling down a website. Most websites you go to in the modern age, we're not talking about GeoCities sites from 1998. Don't scroll horizontally. And it's because you're asking too much of people, you know, make sure that you're sort of giving them the, the right path to go down. It's much like my my previous statement about picking a story, like pick a direction. If you wanted to, you could go strictly horizontal scrolling. It might not be a good idea. It could be the best thing ever. I don't know. Like someone is going to create a masterpiece that scrolls horizontally and I'm going to eat my hat on that. But like at least pick one, unless you have the most brilliant idea in the world. If someone pops it up in their browser, and they have to use their scroll wheel as well as finding the you know the bar on the bottom to actually see the whole thing. Um, you lose control about what they can see at any given point, right? Because at least if it's scrolling in one direction, you know what's coming next and what you're feeding to them. If you're allowing them to scroll both vertically and horizontally, unless you're like Stan Lee and have masterful control of the page and can tell you know can visually indicate where people go next without spelling it out. Um, you're kind of just like giving them a, a map with no destination. I mean, they know ultimately they need to get to the bottom right, but in what order, right? Do they go left to right? Do they go top to bottom? You know? Yeah, I think that goes into my next point. I was going to say, don't um, neglect accessibility. So if you have, try and run your vids for an accessibility tool to see, does your color contrast work? Um, I know one thing that's come up in a lot of the feedback sessions I've run with Michelle Freeman is that she's complaining to people, your text is too small, I can't read it. Or the contrast is just making it really, really difficult to, to read the text. So run it for an accessibility tool, just check that it is accessible, that your colors work for people that are colorblind, um, that that text is big enough, it has enough contrast that you can see it easily. Um, just goes back to that point you just made around, you know, not knowing how to interact or kind of navigate the viz or inevitably, you know, missing out a part um, because it's it's confusing to use. Just just make it easy, make, make it simple um, and make it easy to read. And And I would add to don't, don't not enter because you don't think you're good enough. At, at the end of the day, you're going to look at previous entries and your eye is automatically going to be drawn to like the top 10. There are always going to be just real bangers in any sort of data contest. You're going to look at it and say, oh my gosh, I could never make that thing. I'm a Zen master and I can tell you every day when I look on Tableau Public, I see entries by people that are familiar to me and some that aren't, where I look at that and say, I could never make that, or I don't know how the, they did that, or or I'm not willing to put in the amount of time to do that, frankly. But don't let that be a reason for you not to do that. And I, I realize I'm saying this with like days remaining. So at this point, you've either committed or not, right? Like no one's going to hear this on Wednesday with 48 hours remaining and just dedicate the next- know. Yeah, you know, you could be the one, you listener right now, this could be you. But like, don't be put off by the other entries, especially as entries start to come in for these contests. You know, some people finish earlier in the month and some don't. And people often like to share those online, right? Rather than sort of letting them uh, trickle out as part of the, the big package of everything that's come in. You know, people like to share their work. They're excited. They're proud. Uh, don't look at what someone else has done and feel inadequate about what you've done. You're You're on your own journey. You're on your own level and you're going to look back at what you've made now. You're going to feel proud of it. But in a year or two, you're going to say, wow, I, I, the stuff I do now is so much better than the stuff I did then. And that's truly the amazing part about any of this. 
creating a sort of personal history where you can demonstrate both to yourself and others, like look at my journey and how much better I'm getting every day. I would add to that. And it's going to sound silly, but I'd say don't enter to win. Um, as harsh as it may sound, you probably won't win, right? If there's 372 entries again, the chances of you winning are very, very slim or even getting to the final are very, very slim. Um, and it's not about winning. It's like entering a marathon. You don't, the majority of people don't enter a marathon to win. <laughs> no, that's never ever going to happen. But it's all about taking part. It's, it's challenging yourself. It's learning. It's being a part of a, something bigger. It's all those things Um that even if you don't even get in the top 10, that's absolutely fine. Um, but the main thing is you enjoy it, you have fun, um, you you get something out of it at the end um, and you challenge yourself. I don't think I have anything better to add after that. Like, I, I think you've, <laughs> you've done such a good inca- uh, job encapsulating like your journey and involvement in this about why to enter. Uh, do you have any last words uh, of, of encouragement or support or anything today before we wrap up? Good luck. Um can't wait to see your entries i'd say um don't be afraid to share them share them with pride um it doesn't matter if it's if you're just starting out and it's perhaps not as good as some of the other entries you're seeing in your mind uh share it anyway be proud um i mean it's something that you've put effort into you've it's you, you should be proud of your work um and it's just a, just just entering and putting something out there is a big accomplishment in itself a lot of people won't have got that far a lot of people may have got halfway through the month and given up and um, so the fact that you've actually completed something you should be really really proud well i'm proud i'm happy to see your entries i'm excited and i want to see all the joy that all of you bring this has been the data plus love iron viz special thanks for listening Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here. Um, You're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, Thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks to your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3 and you can get more if you choose or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. 
And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.